Well, good morning, everybody. And this is, I think, the last of the uh, rhythms. Okay, you're kind of doing a wrap-up next week? So, yeah, okay. So this is kind of the next-to-last official uh, rhythm. And we're talking about service today. Serving, serving the Lord, and that we were all saved to serve. Uh, So in our verse... And we're going to talk about a lot of passages today, but the main verse uh, that the, the lesson is der, uh, derived. That's not even a word. I love to make up words when I teach. Um, this, this message derives from Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So have you ever known anyone who was born to do something? And there's some pictures there that might stoke your memory. And and for a lot of you, you're like, I don't know who any of those people are. Does anybody not know who any of those people are? A couple of hands. All right. Well, so for any Lions fans and if you, of history, you would know that Barry Sanders was born to run the football, to be a running back. And I'm not a Lions fan, but I would wholeheartedly say that Barry Sanders was born to be a running back. Um, how about the dude playing the piano? Anybody have any idea who that is? Beethoven. It's actually, I, it's actually, I think it's Bach. So Bach, Bach was born to compose music, to, to play music with a musical gift. How about the dude in the colorful rainbow uniform? Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan was born to throw a baseball. And in fact, if, any, if you're a baseball fan and you have no idea who Nolan Ryan was, there's a fantastic documentary on Netflix about him that I would highly recommend. Um, and lastly, what about the guy in the upper right-hand corner? Okay, you got it. And what might Joey Chestnut have been born to do? Eat hot dogs. Yeah, exactly. So, well, if you are a believer in Christ, and hopefully all of us are believers in Christ, you have been born to do something. We have all been born again to do good works. We just heard that in the passage that we just read. We have been created, we have been born again to do good works. So, just for some background and foundation of what we're going to be talking about today, let's define what good works are, okay? What are good works? In Greek, the word for works is ergon, which would be where we get our word for Ergonomics, yeah, if you have an ergonomically friendly chair or keyboard, all these things that nobody had heard about 30 years ago. Greek for work is ergon, and it simply means an act or a deed. It's something that we do. In fact, in your translation of Scripture, um, it may translate that word as deeds. It is something tangible. When we see good works together in Scripture, those two words, good and works, The word for good is usually agathos in most of those cases, agathos. And that means to be beneficial in its effect. In other words, to be useful. 
So useful works, good works or useful works, useful deeds. Sometimes, though, that word in Greek is kalos, and it simply means beautiful. Beautiful deeds, beautiful works. And so, uh, in fact, Strong's defines it as an outward sign of inward beauty. An outward sign of inward beauty. So if you take all of that together, I love the picture that it kind of creates. We get an idea of what the Bible is trying to teach us about what a good work is. Good works point to something or someone, capital S, besides the act itself. It points to something or someone besides the act itself. And so as we talk today, serving, this idea of serving, is the act of doing good works. Good works are our service to God. So that's uh, some background there, some definitions of what good works is. Now, good works, our service, are almost always going to involve people. When we serve, when we do good works, most of the time that's going to involve serving someone, serving other people. And, you know, Pastor just talked a lot about uh, that in terms of love, right, and serving others. Um, we serve God by serving other people. Most of the biblical context for good works is talking about serving, doing good works in the church, in the church as part of your participation and being a part of the body, using your spiritual gifts. Um, so as I'm going through today and I'm talking about serving and doing good works, I'm generally speaking, primarily speaking about serving in the body of Christ, okay? Certainly we are called to serve people outside the church. You know, Christ talked about uh, whatever you have done for the least of these, you have done for me, giving that cool drink of water, you know, an act of kindness in the community, sharing the gospel with non-believers. Uh, those are all good things, and that is all service. But it is not what we're primarily talking about today. Um, but again, that is and can be service to God. We can never say, I don't need to serve people outside the church because I'm, I'm serving in the church. You know, I've done my service. I don't need to serve outside. On the same hand, you can't say, well, you know, I serve in this other ministry and I'm doing a lot of things out there on my own. You know, I don't need to serve in the church. It's not one or the other. It's both. We should be involved in all of those things. And so one final introductory thought that I want to share. Um, again, good works are going to go far beyond just performing an act beyond just checking a box or doing something. Doing good works is tangible. It is doing something. It requires action, but it's far beyond just an activity. The good works God intends for us to do are more than just doing things. So let's look at some examples of how we see good works or service in the Scriptures. The first is in Matthew 5.16. Somebody turn and read that for us, please. Matthew 5, 16, from the Sermon on the Mount. Whoever gets there first, just go. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What was the good works intended to do? Glorify God. 
Our good works, as we see in Scripture, are intended to glorify God. Who's got Colossians 1.10? And Brett hit on this. Um, I love the spirit, how it works. He and I did not uh, talk about what we were going to teach together today. So our good works are, uh, in essence, bearing fruit, right? They should bear fruit for the kingdom, glorifying God, growing the kingdom. In Titus 2, 11 through 14, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and in a godly manner in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who himself, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every law, lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, eager or zealous to do good works. So our good works are intended to glorify God. They're to bear fruit for the kingdom, and we are to be zealous, eager to bear fruit. To do good deeds. You know, in, in 1 Timothy 5.10, it's a passage where Paul is giving some instruction, and he tells them that widows in the church should be helped if they are known for good deeds, for good works. So in other words, we are to have a reputation for good works. We're to be known for those things. When people think about us, the thought that they have uh, you know, in the church, oh yeah, I know that guy, he loves to serve the Lord. Or I know her, yeah, she's always serving somewhere. We're to be known for our good works. And lastly, somebody read for us Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Familiar passage for a lot of us. Thank you. We're to encourage one another in good works. So if I'm going to encourage somebody to serve, what might be helpful? What might make them more apt to listen to me? If I'm serving. If I'm saying, yeah, you know, come on, Willard, you got to start serving, but you know, I never serve. Is Willard likely to listen to me? Well, Willard should never listen to me, but... Um, no, it's not likely you're going to listen to somebody encouraging you to serve or encouraging you to do anything if you're not currently doing that yourself. Um, a couple of them I didn't reference on the slide, but I'll hit very quickly. In 1 Timothy 6.18, it says that we should be rich in good works. We should be rich in good works. And that word for rich just means an abundance. So our lives should demonstrate an abundance of service. And then again, as we heard there, uh, and lastly, to encourage one another. So, now that we've defined good works and we've seen some examples, what exactly are we going to talk about today? And this is what I want to leave you with today. Serving God matters. Your service to God matters. And we're going to look at that in various ways. First, we're going to look at the fact that serving God, it matters that you serve, it matters how you serve, and it matters who you serve, because ultimately, we are going to be rewarded for our service. 
So it matters that you serve, how you serve, and who you serve, because it will be the basis for our rewards. So first, it matters that you serve. We saw very clearly in that passage in Ephesians 2 that we were saved by grace, not by works. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works. So we're not talking about doing service, doing works, in order to obtain favor with God, to come to salvation. It is because He has saved us that we serve out of our love. It's an outpouring of what He has done in our life. It is not something that we have to do to earn our salvation or maintain our salvation. Once we are saved, we are saved. We couldn't do anything to save ourselves. We can't do anything to keep ourselves saved. God did the work. But it is significant that right after Paul writes to us that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works, that he tells us that we were created to work. We were created to work because we were saved. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that we are a new creation in Christ. When we have come to saving faith, that we are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. And as a new creation, we get a spiritual DNA. You know, and we have a new nature. And part of that nature, that nature should drive us and compel us to serve. Service is a part of that spiritual DNA. So who could we look to to give us an idea of how to serve? Here's a place for that Sunday school answer. Jesus. Yeah. What an example of service. What are some examples of Christ's service, his life of service? In Matthew 20, 28, it says, He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, our service is to point people to Christ, is to demonstrate Christ. And what kind of things did we see Christ do while he was on the earth? His daily life, what's outlined in the Gospels? Miracles. And what kind of miracles was he doing? Uh, he was healing. Blindness, people from the dead. Yeah, we see Jesus healing, right? We see him feeding hungry people. You know, to summarize those things, we could say Jesus was meeting physical needs, and we also know that he was meeting spiritual needs. That's the model for our service. We need to be going out and meeting physical needs and meeting spiritual needs at the same time. That's Christ as our example. He came to serve, therefore none of us have an excuse not to serve. Are you serving? In creating us to do good works, God just doesn't leave us there. He also prepares us to do good works. Flip over to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be doing a lot of Bible drill today, so get your fingers ready. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's writing about our spiritual gifts. And in verse 7, he says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And what he's saying is we are given our spiritual gifts for other people. We don't get spiritual gifts to puff ourselves up or you know, to somehow make ourselves better. Our spiritual gifts are given to us for other people. You know, God gifted me for you. 
and he gifted you for the rest of us. And that is to be used in the church. That's what that whole passage in 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about. Our spiritual gifts and use in the body, in the local church. God has gifted you to serve the local church for the benefit of others. You know, if the church is going to function properly, we all need to be exercising our gifts in the church. And I encourage you to read that whole passage um, as he talks about that. Um, Serving in the community, serving other ministries, you know, doing good deeds outside the church, those are all good things. And don't hear that you're not supposed to do those things. But you can't do them at the expense of serving in the church, of serving the body. We are all called to serve in the body. Are you serving? I'm going to pause to mention that there will clearly be times in our lives where we have to step away from serving in the church. It could be a family issue that arises. It could be a, a season at work or a season in school where I, you know, I simply can't serve you know, for this month or that month. But you know, if you have a job that just prevents you from serving at all, I might suggest to you that that might not be the job that God wants for you if it's going to keep you from being able to obey him by serving in the church. Because if you are not serving in the church, you're disobeying the Lord because we are called to serve. Every one of us has something that we can do in the church. Big, small, short, tall, young, old, male, female, regardless of your age, your spiritual maturity, your physical status, you have been equipped to serve in the church. There is something that you can do. And we just heard a couple of examples. Just now, you know, ESL, Tuesday nights, you come and you talk to people. Who here can talk to somebody? <laughs> no training necessary, except all you need to do is to love somebody. Love them enough to come and talk to them and have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. That is so simple. And on and on. Next Gen is in constant need. I mean, if you look at the bulletin, and you probably don't, but if you were ever open the bulletin and on the right page, most weeks it says in there that Next Gen has a need for volunteers, for helpers. And that's just a couple of things. You know, there's, there's an endless, almost seemingly, list of things, of ministries that need help in the church. Are you serving? It matters that you serve. But it doesn't just matter that we serve. How we serve is also of extreme importance. Flip over, if you will, in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. And uh, Paul writes and starts, or excuse me, Paul, John, um, in communicating uh, the revelation of Christ. He's writing to seven churches. And in the first church that he writes to is the church at Ephesus. This is what could be considered kind of the second letter to the church at Ephesus. We were just reading Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. But this is what Jesus says to them. He says, I know your works, your ergon, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil and have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Boy, it sounds like they're ready for a reward, doesn't it? That sounds like really good stuff. 
bearing patiently, enduring, calling out false teachers. You know, you're working, toiling. But is that what Jesus said? No, he said, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, we're going to have the opportunity to talk a lot more about that in a few weeks because we're going to start studying Revelation um, next month or later this month. Which of those is it? One or the other? This is July. Yeah, it's got to be next month. So, Jesus told this church, I see your work. I see that you're serving, but you're missing the boat. Because how you serve matters. What happened to them? What, what did it say that they had done? Abandoned their first love. Now, some translations call that that they lost their first love. Uh, but I don't think lost gives it an accurate picture because to lose something implies that you just kind of forgot where it was, that it was maybe unintentional. But they abandoned. You abandoned something uh, intentionally. You know, they had stopped loving Christ. Their service was no longer motivated by a love for Christ. They had just gotten caught up in checking the box and doing, 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 not focusing on what they were doing or why they were doing it out of their love for Christ. Our service, those good works that we were prepared to do, are to be done out of an outpouring of our love for Jesus. An outpouring of our love for Jesus. Their service had become dull and rote, and again, they're just checking the box. So as a result, they weren't serving Jesus because he tells them, repent, turn around, stop, and serve me. So how are you serving? How are you serving? Flip back to Colossians 3. And you can stick your finger in there because we're going to come back to it a few more times. If I can remember, I'm failing my Bible drill today because I can't remember where Colossians is. There we are. In Colossians 3, Paul is, is writing, he's telling you, know, you need to put off your old self. Your old self, that's the old DNA. Put on that new self, that new DNA. And in that, starting in verse 12, he writes... Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. How we serve matters. When we're serving the Lord, and what did I say that's primarily going to involve? When we're serving in the church, we're primarily going to be serving people, other people. And you know, in the world would be a lot better place if it wasn't for all the people. The biggest problem with that is that I'm a people, right? And you're a people. But we serve people. So as we serve, does that passage give an indication of how we're serving them? Compassionate, 
kindness, patience, forgiving? Or are we frustrated, angry, um, you know, unforgiving, um, holding grudges? Uh, we are serving people. This tells us how we are to serve them. Is that done out of love and kindness? Again, that outpouring of the love we have for Christ and that he has for us. Is that how we're serving? How are you serving? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that everything that we do should be done for the Lord. Not just serving him, but everything that we do. Eat, drink, work, do it for the Lord, right? Maybe you've never consciously thought about, how am I serving? Am I just doing something? Just, you know, getting caught up and repetitive, you know, okay, I do this. And, or are you thinking about, is it, is it motivated by your love for Christ? Is there a heart of thankfulness there? Um, and, I, and I can be as guilty as anybody and just because I am very task-oriented, and I can get really focused in on the, the doing as opposed to the why am I doing this, focusing on how I'm doing this, and that I need to be reflecting Christ in everything that I do. Our love for Christ should motivate and energize our service because it is Him that we are serving. When we're serving other people, we are serving Christ. When we see our good works as loving Christ by serving others, we're going to serve willfully and joyfully. Do you serve but do it begrudgingly? Do you grumble and complain about serving, having to serve? Or do we serve with a joyful and compassionate and loving heart? How are we serving? But it doesn't just matter that we serve or how we serve. Ultimately, it matters who we serve, who we serve. When we serve God... It is an act of worship. Our service to God is interconnected with and involves worship and sacrifice. Service and sacrifice and worship are inseparable if they are going to be pleasing to God. The Holman Bible Dictionary, in defining service, said service at its best is worship. Service at its best is worship. Are you worshiping God in your service? Sacrifice has always been an element of worship. In the, if you go back to the Old Testament, right, as Israelites were given very specific instructions in the Mosaic Law how to worship God, and it involved bringing sacrifices, right, rams and goats and bulls. That was part of their worship, a sacrifice. You know, unfortunately, Israel was prone to fall into the trap of just going through the motions if they were going to even do it at all. But it's like, okay, I'm caught up and I'll bring this bull. But their hearts were far from worshiping God. But we can fall into the same trap. In the New Testament, we hear it put this way, and uh, this passage, a very familiar passage in Romans, or verse in Romans 12, 1. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. There in that one verse, we see it all. We saw sacrifice, we saw service, and we saw worship. Worship in the new covenant is a living sacrifice, sacrificing ourselves for Christ. 
And I love what Pastor Brad just said. You know, we talk about we, we may all be, or a lot of us may be willing to, to give up, you know, I'll take a bullet for you, but will you go short of that? Will you be uncomfortable for somebody else? Will you do something that you despise doing for somebody else? And it's, I never really thought about it that way, but, you know, in, uh, in a lot of ways, it could be a lot easier just to take a bullet for somebody than, w- than it would be to inconvenience myself. And that, that stung me. Maybe it stung you too. But, yeah, a living sacrifice, consecrating, setting our lives apart for service to God. We are created to do good works for God, to serve Him. And when we do that, we are worshiping. It is an act of worship. So this idea of good works and service and sacrifice and worship, they are all deeply connected. You know, when we sacrificially serve the church out of our love for Christ, when we're motivated by a desire to please Him and not serving ourselves or others, we're worshiping Him. So if you're not serving, your life is missing worship. It is missing an element of worshiping God if you're not serving the Lord. And if you're serving with wrong motives, you are missing worship. Who are you serving? So what does it mean to offer a sacrifice? What is sacrificial service? What do you think? Laying down my, my own comfort. Do, do you know that this idea of a comfort zone is purely an American or Western thought? The people in other parts of the world would have no idea what you meant if you told them that, oh, that takes me out of my comfort zone. Our whole lives are a comfort zone. We, we know nothing. Yeah, getting out of our comfort zone, that's definitely sacrificial. What are some other thoughts? What is sacrificial service? What are we sacrificing? Our time. Yeah. Have you set apart the time, the gift of 24 hours that you get every day? Have you set apart some of that in consecration to the Lord in service? What else could sacrifice be? Could definitely be money. Gifts, financial gifts, that's, a, that's kind of an expectation. We should be giving financially, contributing to the church, but not just financially. We don't get a pass to say, well, you know, I wrote my check, so I don't have to do anything. Again, it's not one or the other. You also can't say, well, I serve every Sunday, so I don't need to give. Can't say that either. All of that makes up sacrificial service. Using our spiritual gifts and talents and serving the body of Christ. It has to involve our time. You know, if our service doesn't cost us anything, are you worshiping? I would tell you no. No, you're not. You're not worshiping if your service doesn't cost you anything. And if our service doesn't cost us anything, who, in essence, are we serving? Ourselves, right? So... You know, if we are putting our gifts, our financial gifts on the altar, if we're putting our intellect and our time and our gifts on the altar out of a heart 
out of our outpouring of our love for Christ, that is worship and that is pleasing to Him. Who are we serving? And I would just say, if you're not serving, you are. If you're not serving in the church, you're serving. But who are you serving? Yourself. You're serving yourself if you're not serving the Lord. But even in not serving, uh, there is a way that we can still serve ourselves, and it comes down to our motivation, right? What is motivating us to serve? Is it to placate our parents or is our spouse? Get somebody off my back? Okay, they keep asking me, so if if, maybe if I start serving, it'll shut them up. Yeah, no, we're not serving the Lord in that way. We're serving, and ultimately, again, it gets back to serving ourselves. Um, in Galatians 1.10, Paul writes, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If we're serving to please men, other people, we are not serving the Lord. Who are we serving? In Hebrews 13, we see this deep interconnection between service and good works and sacrifice and worship. And he writes, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips praising his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Doing good... Doing good works, serving, is a sacrifice to God, and it is part of our spiritual worship of Him. Who are we serving? So in, I told you we'd come back to Colossians 3. Towards the end of that chapter, in verse 23, Paul writes, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. When we serve out of an outpouring of our love for Him, we are serving and worshiping the Lord. Because, as we saw earlier in those examples, our service is to glorify God and to draw men to Him ultimately. Remember the passage in Matthew 5, Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. That's the purpose. That's why we serve Him, to glorify Him and to point others to Him, to bear fruit, as we saw in Colossians 1.10. That's the kind of service that pleases the Lord. I, I, I love this in Revelation 22, and this is as the closing of the Scripture, getting there, and, and we're looking to our eternal home in heaven. In this picture, listen, there will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His bondservants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Serving Christ is what we're going to do for eternity. Let's start practicing now. Don't wait. We are going to serve Christ for eternity. Who are we serving? Who are we serving? And so speaking of eternity, you know, it matters. God cares that we serve. God cares how we serve. And God cares who we serve because 
we will be rewarded or not based on how we serve. You know, and if all God ever did was save us, save us from His wrath and an eternity apart from Him, it would be more than enough. I think could we all agree on that? But God is so good that He doesn't just stop there. He has promised rewards for those who faithfully serve Him. He has promised us rewards. we got to be careful because what the world might think of as blessings and rewards aren't exactly what God's talking about. And these blessings and rewards are primarily eternal. It's not something that we receive here and now. But it is a promise that we will receive it. And, you know, it's not an equation. It's not do this and do that equals my reward. That's not how it works, okay? In fact, most of the biblical usage of the term blessing is happiness and joy and contentment. They are spiritual things. There's not tangible, physical blessings and rewards. You know, further, if you are serving with the motivation and the desire to be rewarded, then we've missed the boat. That's not what we're talking about. That is not going to be rewarded. Jesus spoke of eternal rewards in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. And he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our aim on earth is not to earn as much money and status and possessions as we can. Those aren't bad things, but that can't be our goal. Our goal needs to be to serve the Lord, to glorify Him. And He may provide opportunities for those other things, but that doesn't need to be our aim. That's not why we're here. He is kind when we serve Him well to give us eternal rewards. So, will you be rewarded? You know, one day, we are all going to face the judgment seat of Christ. And as believers, we're going to come before Him, and He is going to test or judge our works. We read about this in 1 Corinthians 3. If you want to flip over there. And speaking of that day... Paul writes, and I'll start in verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 3, For no one can lay down, no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, he's talking about works, he's talking about serving him, the things that we've done, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. We're only going to be rewarded for the work that we did for Christ out of our motivation to glorify Him out of our outpouring of our love for Him. That's the gold 
that will not get burned up as opposed to the things that we do out of impure motives or begrudgingly. That's the work that gets burned up. You know, Isaiah told the nation of Israel concerning work that was done uh, in an impure motive, um, you know, to try to gain favor with God. He called it, it was filthy rags, rubbish, and we won't get into what that actually is, but it wasn't good. You know, is our service garbage? Is it going to get burned up? Or is it gold? Is it going to stand the test of the fire and, and that we'll be rewarded for it? Will we be rewarded? You know, going back again to Colossians 3, um, in verses 23 and 24 again, he says, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. You know, when we're working for Him, not for others, not for ourselves, we'll be rewarded. That should be exciting. Man, man this God who loved us enough to save us in spite of our sin gifts us, equips us to serve in the church, and if we'll just do that out of our love for Him, He rewards us. I mean, that, that is mind-boggling to me. But that's how good God is, and that's how much He loves us. Working for Christ stores up treasure in heaven for us. Our service, when it is self-sacrificial, when it's done out of love for God and love for others, done out of a heart to please the Lord, we'll be rewarded. The work that we do for ourselves, selfishly, self-motivated, is going to get burned up. What's going to be the result of our service? Are we going to get rewarded? So, so what? So what? That's not God, but you get the point. God wants you. God wants you engaged in serving Him. He created you to do good works, which He prepared in advance. God desires for you to serve Him. And the first question is, has everyone on the planet been created to do good works? Or is that a limited group? Everybody wasn't born again. Only those who have been called on the elect, and we're not going to get off into election, but no, it's not for everybody. It's only for those who have been saved. Everybody doesn't have spiritual gifts. Only those who have been saved have spiritual gifts. So the first question should be, Am I born again? Have I been born created to do good works? Or do I need to come before God, confess my sins, repent, and accept the gift of salvation that Christ is offering? That would be the first step. But for most of us, hopefully, and for those of us who are saved, where are you serving? Where are you serving? And if you are serving, and I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody else, where's my heart? Where is my heart? Am I just checking boxes, completing my to-do list, or am I loving other people and serving the Lord? Where's your heart? Do we see our service as sacrifice? Do we see our service as worship? Is it an act of worship? So, 
you have, I hope, some discussion questions in front of you, and we have lots of time. That went quicker, more quickly than I thought it was. We have lots of time to discuss these, so go through these questions today, take them home, and prayerfully consider where you're serving, how you're serving, and who you're serving, and what's going to be the result of that test when our works are tested at the end. So, discuss away.